This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. I'm going to share four words with you and the principles, and then just some things the Lord has brought to me out of Scripture we're going to elaborate on. So if we can just put the four words up on the screen to start with. The words are innocence, tragedy, contending, and resolution. Innocence, tragedy, contending, and resolution. And Al and Nita told stories from their own life, from their own experience, and, uh, but, but when you boil it down to the bottom, you start with the fact that every baby born in the world is born into innocence. Now, I know what the scripture says about having a sinful nature, and we do have that. There is this flesh nature, this carnal nature inside of us that causes us to want to rebel. But at the core of it, babies do not make logical decisions to be rebellious. They just run around, right? They just mess up, but they're not sitting there thinking, you know what? I'm going to disobey my mommy because I just want to be a bad person. I know the difference between good and evil. I know the difference between right and wrong, and I'm just going to choose wrong. No, babies don't do that. They are born into innocence in terms of the way they think, the way they function, the way they make decisions. Children, and this innocence is an innocence that children naturally express. And we've been guilty, I think, a lot of us have been guilty of thinking of that expression as the absence of something. Okay, the absence maybe of experience, the absence of education, the absence of sophistication, There's something missing that this child has not yet learned, has not yet experienced, has not yet been taught by somebody, has not yet been modeled or or an example set in front of them. And that's why they behave the way they do, but that's actually not the case. They're not behaving out of their innocence because something is missing But if you're going to deal with it in spiritual terms, the innocence is not a lack of worldly wisdom or any of those things, but the innocence is the presence of spiritual actuality. Okay? What does that mean? That means that when a baby is born... That baby is born innocent in the sight of God, and God views that life as the most valuable thing that exists in any of the universes he ever created. You get that? Every one of you, we were all born 
pretty much the same way. Maybe some by C-section and some through natural birth. Either way, we, we existed inside of our mother and we were born. And when we were born, we were born into innocence. And God viewed us, even before we exited our mother, he viewed us as the most highly valuable thing, entity, that exists anywhere. Why did Jesus say, let little children come to me? Because little children were the most precious things that he could ever have in his presence. That's how God sees it. Everybody's born into innocence, but the next word is the word tragedy. And just like every human being is born into innocence, every single human being that will ever live, has ever lived on planet Earth, experiences tragedy without fail. It's going to take on different forms. It's going to involve different circumstances and different people. But tragedy is an inevitable part of life. If you haven't experienced it yet, I don't want to be a prophet of doom. I don't want to bring any kind of a message of discouragement to you today. But I have to be fair and honest with you and tell you that if you haven't experienced tragedy yet, it's on the way. It's not a question of whether it's coming or not. It's a question of what we're going to do with it when it arrives. Because it is coming. It can be anything from the loss of a loved one to the diagnosis of a terminal illness, to the rebellion of a child, to a spouse walking out on us, to on and on and on, but it falls in the category of tragedy, and tragedy happens to all of us. Born into innocence, but tragedy is unavoidable. Where did it start? It started in the garden. When God's first children chose a pathway of disobedience. You ever think about the fact that they had one rule to follow? That's all. Why can't we follow a multitude of rules that exist in our society? Well, it goes all the way back to our ancestors in the very beginning. They couldn't follow one rule. And when that rule was broken, Tragedy was the immediate result because if you are living in a perfect place, I'll ask you and let you determine in your own mind. If you're living in a perfect place where the climate is perfect and the food is perfect and the water is perfect and the relationships are perfect and your health is perfect, everything is perfect, and all of a sudden, you are expelled from that environment into the freezing cold or the blazing hot and earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes and wildfires and wild animals that want to rip you to shreds and enemies who want to kill you. And you have to earn your food by the sweat of your bow, uh, brow and breaking your back, toiling for it. Would you not categorize that as tragic? That's where tragedy began. The first two offspring of those original people experienced tragedy. 
When one brother let bitterness and hatred and jealousy settle in his heart, and rather than getting back on a track of pleasing God through his worship and his sacrifice, he decided to take his attitude and his hatred out on his brother, and he killed him. That's tragedy. That's family tragedy. And tragedy happens to everybody. It happened to even Adam. It happened to Cain and Abel. And it's happened ever since to everybody who has ever lived. Well, the third word is the word contending. If we're all born into innocence, if we all experience tragedy, the question is going to become, how do we contend with the tragedy? Because the fourth word, and we're just touching on these today, we're going to hit the tip of the iceberg and then we're going to come back and we're going to dig deeper over the next two or three weeks. Contending, because there's going to be a resolution to the tragedy. There's going to be a resolution to your life. There's going to be a landing place. There's going to be something that will serve to be a description of who you were when you lived your life on planet Earth. There's going to be a resolution. When you go to memorial services for people who have passed on, there is an attempt given to offer the resolution on that life, right? That's what is happening when the speaker gets up, when the people get up to pay tribute. They're trying to offer a resolution on the life. Here's what that life consisted of. Here's what was involved in that life that brought value to humanity. Rarely do you hear them get up and talk about the bad stuff. Usually they want to point out all the good stuff, right? And I think that's probably the right thing to do, although we're not always 100% honest when we get up at those times because we want to make it good. We don't want to make it any more of a downer than it already is, so we want to point out the good stuff, but sometimes we point out at the, the good stuff at the expense of what the truth really is. One old fellow at a church I used to work at, 80-something-year-old preacher, got up to preach a funeral. He walked up, and the casket's right here, right below him. He pointed down at it and said, well, the truth is he just busted hell wide open, so now let me talk to the living. He didn't, he didn't, try, he didn't try to cover anything up. Well, I'm not sure that's a great idea. I'm not going to do that, but I'm also not going to try to sacrifice the truth on the altar of making up good stories. If there's going to be a resolution, and there is, on your life, now listen, it's where you can't get lost. It's where you have to grab a hold now because this will make all the difference in the world for you. I'm telling you right now, on this Sunday morning, 2nd of October, 2022, you can get something and take it out of here with you that will make all the difference that you need in your life from now on. And here it is. 
the resolution to your life when it's all said and done is going to be determined by how you contend with the tragedy. The resolution to your life will be determined by how you contend with the tragedy. Because you have a choice. Like I said earlier, you have a choice on how you will contend. Contending is the hinge. It's the pivot point. It's that threshold you arrive at after tragedy has shown up in your life. I'm talking to people who are believers for the most part. If you're not a believer, you're going to have to get there before I can help you ongoing. I'm talking to believers. When you experience tragedy, you walk to a threshold. And you make a decision about how you're going to contend with the tragedy. If you leave the pathway ongoing to a default to just happen haphazardly however the chips fall, you're not going to have a good resolution at the end of your life. You're not going to have a good resolution ongoing through the rest of your life. Everything depends on how you contend with the tragedy. Now, when I say tragedy, I'm talking about hardship. I'm talking about brokenness. I'm talking about disappointment. I'm talking about disillusionment. I'm talking about those things that I mentioned earlier, those negative events that happen in our life. And the list is very long. We don't have time to even talk about all of them. And so many people sitting in this room right now have already experienced tragedy in your life. Right? You know what I'm talking about. This is not a mystery. And when tragedy shows up, we're faced with a choice. How am I going to contend with the tragedy? As a child of God, I have a choice on what I'm going to do with it. He doesn't force it on us. It doesn't happen automatically. We have to make a decision. What am I going to do when hardship arrives? So a choice is presented. How will I contend? I want us to share a couple verses from Deuteronomy chapter 30 that can help us as we start to deal with this. To put it in context, this is Moses who is preaching to God's people, the children of Israel. The book of Deuteronomy is Moses' last testament to the children of Israel. He knows he's going to die. He knows he's not going to see the promised land. And he knows that he must give away to the people information mandates from God about how they should live, about how they should make decisions, about how they should contend. They are a people that has already experienced a lot of tragedy in life. They have been enslaved. They have been at war. They have been abused. They have been lost and wandering around. They need guidance. They need they need encouragement on how 
to contend when these things show up. Because just because you are called the people of God, just because you say I'm a Christian, just because you go to church, doesn't mean that every piece to your life's puzzle automatically just perfectly falls into the right spot anytime you need it to. It requires your own decisions. It requires you to be very conscientious about how you contend. So getting towards the end of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is really boring into the hearts of the people. And you've heard this verse before. Look at what I've done for you today. I've placed in front of you life and good, death and evil, and I command you today, love God, your God, walk in His ways. You know the, the other version, right? The one that's probably more familiar to you. I've presented before you today a choice of life and death. Choose life so that what? So that you may live. Well, that sounds weird to me. Choose life so that you may live. Well, that's like saying, well, go to Dunkin' Donuts and choose a chocolate frosted donut so that you can eat a chocolate frosted donut. Well, it really seems like you don't even need to say that. You know? Choose to go home today and take a nap so that when you get home, you can take a nap. Choose life so that you may live. Well, let's consider, really, let's move deeper into that and figure out if it means more than that, and I believe it does. Choose life that you may live so you have before you this choice. I placed it in front of you. He's talking to God's people. He's talking to the children of Israel, the chosen people of God. You still have a choice. You have a choice for life, which is good. And you have a choice for death, which is evil. I don't expect anybody's going to run out and say, hey, I'll take death. I'll take death. Go ahead and lop my head off. Go ahead and run your spear through my heart. Uh, I'd rather have death and evil than life and good. No, it's about process. It's about your choices which are going to lead you either in the pathway of life or in the pathway of death. It's the choices that are going to give you momentum in one of those directions or the other. When you choose life, it's not a one-and-done instantaneous decision where you just say, yeah, I'll take life, I'm good. Write my name in the Lamb's book. I'm going to heaven. I can do whatever I want from now on because I know I have sealed the deal. My ticket is punched. Or no, I'll take death. Let me just run right out here and you strike me dead right where I am. No, he's talking about the process of life and death. He's talking about decisions that will lead you either toward life and what's good or toward death and what's evil. And then in the King James Version, it says, choose life so that you may live. What, what does that mean? It means choose the way of what's of God. Choose God's ways. Choose God's words. Choose life. Choose what is good. And what will happen is you will live life abundantly. Life that's characterized by peace. Life that's characterized by joy. Life that's characterized by freedom. Choose it daily. Choose life daily. 
We want to get to a place of joy, right? So You know, so many believers, Christian people, people who have accepted the Lord, confessed their sins, they're born again, but they live joyless lives. Is that God's will? That we know Him, but we have no joy. That we be saved, quote-unquote, but we don't have any joy. Well, of course not. It's one of the biggest contradictions ever, is that believers would have no joy or little joy, that believers would live their lives in chaos instead of peace, that believers', believers minds would be tormented with confusion rather than the rest that Jesus said He came to give. How do I get... How do I get to that joy? How do I get to that peace? How do I get to that freedom? How do I get to that rest after all Jesus did say? If you are weary, if you are beaten down, if the tragedy has shown up and bulled you over, come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. Rest. It's in the rest that peace arrives. It's in the rest that the joy bubbles up. It's in the rest that freedom becomes a way of life. Come to me and I'll give you rest. So what's the answer? The answer is, I, I, I think we're not coming to Him often enough. I think we're not living our lives at His feet enough. I think we're not paying attention to His ways enough. I think we're not choosing life and good enough. I think we claim it, but we don't actually live it out day by day. I think we know these verses when they pop up on the screen. Oh, yeah, I've heard that all my life. But are we dwelling inside the verses? Are we living inside the words of God? Are our lives saturated in the truth of God when it's time to make a decision? Where does our mind go? Does it go to business, opinions, counseling from some outside source? Does our mind go to God? What is your purpose for me in this situation? Where does our mind go? We go to to Dr. Phil, we go to some television personality, we go to the opinion of an entertainer, we go to the opinion of some Hollywood personality, or do we go to God's words? Do we look to His ways? Do we look to the examples of Scripture? Choose life means to choose God. What was that first rule? Choose me. That tree, those two trees, those are symbols. Did they actually exist as two big beautiful trees in that garden? I believe they did. But beyond that, they are symbols. Stay away from the tree that is symbolic of the world's knowledge of the world's opinions, of the world's philosophies, of the world's ideas. You don't have the capacity to manage the contrast between good and evil. No human being has the capacity to manage the contrast between good and evil. That's God work, and we keep trying to do God work, and we keep falling on our faces. Stay away from that, he said. 
The one rule, only come to this tree. What's the name of the tree? The tree of life. That tree is God. It's the source of everything you need. Every ounce of spiritual nutrition, of satisfaction, of joy, of peace, of freedom, of contentment, of life in the Spirit, everything you need is in that life. It's in that tree that is representative of the person of God Himself. Come to me. Come to the tree. Come to the person. Come to my words. Come to my ways. Come to my example. Come to my life. And you'll realize the good that it's in it. And the good is everything you're looking for to make your life resolution exactly what it ought to be. Today, I command you, love God, your God. Walk in His ways. Walk in His ways. There's this thing of knowing what we'd like to have. There's this thing of believing that's the right thing for us. I really, I don't know anybody that doesn't want an inner contentment, satisfaction, rest. Regardless of how they're living, I think that's the innate drive, the desire of every human being, is to be satisfied. If there are gaping holes in us because of the tragedies that have happened, then we pick up and start to strive to be satisfied in order, in other words, to fill up those gaps. Why do people develop addictions? Because they're trying to fill up an empty space that exists inside of them. That empty space was created by tragedy. Abandonment, neglect, molestation, abuse, loss, grief, broken relationships. They create gaps in us. They create chasms, emptiness, void. When, when God looked out, out over His creation initially and He saw that it was empty and formless and void. What did He do? He spoke and He said, let there be light. And the light illuminated every possibility that was good and every possibility that was bad. And He focused on the good and He started to create good stuff and fill up the void. Fill up the emptiness. And He's still doing that right now because He looks at us and He sees chaos and emptiness and void and turmoil inside of us. And He wants to fill it up with the good. But we keep trying to stuff other stuff in the gaps. We keep trying to satisfy by going down other pathways besides the God pathway. 
He says, come to me when you've experienced tragedy. This is how to contend. So if I've experienced something, something that has knocked me sideways, something that's created heartache, loss, disappointment, choices in front of me. I can get a few pills to help me out with that. The pills may make me feel like that that space is filled up for a little while. Right? But what happens when the pills wear off? I spent a couple years taking my cousin to a methadone clinic because he kept trying to fill up the voids with pills. And he would get in such bad shape, he had to go to the clinic, and we spent $400 a pop getting drug cocktails for them to shoot inside of him to counteract the effects of the drugs when he would hit the bottom. Big spaces in his life he keeps trying to fill up with other stuff. Finally came to a conversation where I said, I can't do this anymore. This is not the answer. You need something other than that. And he said, well, I can't do what you're saying. I said, well, then I can't help you. And he left. And he died. Because it never works. It never works to try to fill up God's space with something besides God. It doesn't work. The resolution to your life will never be what it's supposed to be. As, as long as we keep trying to fill up God's space with something besides God. Money, acceptance, popularity, stuff. Going around behaving in ways that are not pleasing to the Lord, trying to, get, trying to get somebody to pay attention, trying to get somebody to love us, the use of drugs and alcohol, and lots of other things that I won't get into because you might get offended. But they are things that we do to try to fill up the God spaces. That's the way we contend. And it's like being in a wrestling match that never ends. Because you just keep contending, but there's never a resolution that's suitable. Keep His commandments and regulations and rules so that you will live, really live, live exuberantly. Blessed by God, your God, in the land you are about to enter and possess. Oh, man. So we contend in the wrong ways. We come up empty. We come up dissatisfied. Or we work really hard trying to get the peace that we want, the peace that's missing. We, we work really hard to try to get that satisfaction, that rest, that contentment. Listen, folks, truth for you right here. Top-tier truth right here. 
you don't have to work for it. You don't have to work for it. It's a free gift. Well, how do I get it? You make a choice that you are going to contend by coming to the Father every day and choosing life in Him. Really. Genuinely. Not some sort of lip service toward religion. Really. Every morning. Father, I choose you. I choose your words. I choose worship to you. I choose everything that you offer and I reject and refuse everything that the world offers. That's my choice. The automatic fallout from that decision, listen, automatic fallout from that decision is peace. You don't have to work for peace. You have to surrender yourself to the Father daily. You have to embrace His words. You have to meditate on them. You have to exercise strict obedience to what they're saying. And the peace shows up. You can go in your prayer closet and pray for God's peace all day long. You're not going to get it. Not unless you're surrendered. Not unless you're obedient. Not unless His Spirit and His words are directing the pathway of your life. Because that's where peace comes from. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. In other words, it grows up out of your life in the Spirit. When you make that choice, you come to the tree of life every morning. Father, I surrender myself to You. I give up my own ideas, my own opinions, my own purpose for myself in favor of yours. You know what happens? Joy starts to bubble up like a spring from the inside. You know what we've been doing? We've been trying to get joy from out here somewhere and put it in. Never work like that. Joy's not out there somewhere for us to grab and insert into ourselves. Joy is in us, but so often it is buried under a mountain of rubble that we have piled on through the years, mainly through the way we have contended with tragedy. But as we surrender and bow before the tree of life, the layers are peeled back and peeled back and peeled back until the joy starts to bubble through. When we do this, we bow at the tree of life, we surrender ourselves daily. Freedom shows up. Freedom like we have not experienced. Whoever, listen, whoever the Son sets free is free 
in deed. That means absolutely free. That means it's a freedom that cannot be squashed, destroyed, extracted, or stolen at any level by any person or anything. And somebody can break into your house and shove a barrel of a gun in your mouth and threaten you and abuse you and steal from you, and they cannot take your freedom because they didn't give it to you. You didn't grab it from the outside and put it in. It's in the inside of you, and God has caused it to grow up in you as a beautiful tree and part of your life. Blessed is the man who walks not after the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in God and on God's words. And on those words, he meditates day and night. And he becomes like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. And whatever he does will prosper. That's the gift. That's the process. That's the result. That's the resolution. <laughs> when I die, and y'all got me on display right up here, because it's probably where it'll be, do this, if you can, honestly and truthfully. Somebody stand up there and say, there lies a beautiful tree. Go put the body in the grave, because the spirit's gone somewhere else. And let's have a party. Because the resolution was right. He contended the way you have to contend for the resolution to be right. So whoever you are, because somebody showed up here today to hear this, and whoever you are, if you walk out of this door today still bent on trying to find what you need from out there, My heart breaks for you, but I don't have an answer. My only answer is come to the tree. Bow before the tree of life, person of the Father who created you into innocence and start to contend with the tragedies the way he's told us to, and you will be moved into the resolution Father, I've done what you asked me to do. I know you'll do what yours to do. I think somebody needs to come up here and stand with me. and say, today's my day. I got to get to where you're talking about. I'm tired. I got to get to where you're talking about. I got to get to the foot of that tree, and I got to give up. Because I'm tired of contending my way, and I want my resolution to be right. I'm going to give about 15 seconds. 
there's anybody that says yes, that's me. And then we'll close. Father, your word is powerful. It's been planted like seed. Your spirit is real. He's with us and he's going to leave here with us. And your work doesn't end when we say amen. You'll go out of here with these people and you'll continue to speak, to do, to compel and to teach us how to contend. And for those of us who choose life, we'll live. We will live. And our lives will be fruitful and prosperous. And the resolution will be right and we will spend eternity with you. And we thank you for that because you're the only one who can make that happen. I pray your peace and power and provision and protection would be with us through the week as we seek out your heart, as we bow at your feet, as we ask you to establish your purpose firmly day by day in us. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for leaving here and taking this with you. Dig around into these verses on your own. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. That's what I read out in the service. You, God, make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Amen. Have a great week.